Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Central Virginia Fishing Report with Ethan Martin at Tail Tellers Fly Shop. How you doing, Ethan? I'm doing great today. How you doing today? I can't complain. Just trying to stay out of trouble. Uh, checked the weather before I got on with you, and you know, with the exception of whatever the hurricane gives you, things look pretty good in your neck of the woods. Yeah, we, I mean, it's been pretty much the seasonal fall weather pattern. So the fishing uh, has been pretty uh, normal, you know, with every year. So it's uh, it's been pretty nice, you know. <laughs> Brook trout, we've seen, you know, I still haven't seen any that are, like, actively spawning, but I'm sure by now, you know, some of them somewhere are uh, are starting to dance up there. And then, uh, you know, the everything else, smallmouth have been moving on to the holes. Um, what else have we been doing? Striper. I did some striper in the, uh, in Sith Mountain Lake. That was kind of <laughs> an eye-opening experience because <laughs> I got, I caught a pretty nice one. Um, and so, and then we're all on shad, which is just like what you pretty much would expect during the fall. And then, uh, musky are still, you know, staying elusive. So <laughs> everything's doing what it should be doing. Yeah. The musky are practicing for uh, December, January, and February. So, exactly. yeah. So if we break it down a little bit, you know, obviously the trout fishing is going to be pretty good and assuming you don't get blown out. Um, things should be pretty good. I assume as things are cooling off, though, the fish are starting to basically prefer nymphs over dry flies, right? Yes. Yeah, you're spot on with that one. It's been, uh, you know, the past, really the past month has been a pretty obvious difference in that. Uh, smaller dry flies have been working, but the vast majority of the fish are, are eating that either like a really small streamer um, or a nymph pattern. So, what what we've been noticing too has been uh, there's a there's a kind of a difference in you know where you're fishing. So if you're fishing a place that's stock trout, um, you know the the nymphs that they're going to be primarily focusing on are going to be more of an attractor style pattern. Um, if you're fishing a like a stream where it's primarily wild fish, just like you would normally expect, those those fish are going to respond better to a more natural style presentation um of course you can still use the tracker style stuff um like this time of the year you know an egg is going to be fine wherever you're going because there's a lot of fish species not just trout that that do spawn um some of the fall so you know that that like something like a little egg uh one minute egg or micro egg or something like that is going to find you fish um or smaller streamers like i said because your bait fish are slowly going to start getting a little bit bigger. So like woolly buggers, you know, some of the classic stuff um, is going to be things that those fish will key in on as we get temperature changes. Cause really that's what, you know, there's two or three factors, on, you know, but temperature change and then the light change are going to be two of the biggest things that are causing these fish to think, okay, you know, winter is coming. So either, you know, for brook trout or browns, you know, which are going to start spawning. Uh, or for all other species, including, you know, brook trout and browns, once they're out of the spawn, it's going to be um, eating, you know, getting prepared for winter, just like, you know, a bear or anything like that does. Yeah, and, and then I guess to kind of shift gears to smallmouth, I guess what you're seeing, right, is probably moving towards wintering holes, not quite there yet, but definitely probably yeah. more of a streamer bite now than it has been. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's been somewhat inconsistent there on the smallmouth front 
Um, like I was telling you before we started recording, we did a, a musky float yesterday in really clear conditions um, and low water as well. And we didn't really see any smallmouth. Well, I say we didn't really see. We didn't see a smallmouth uh, until the end of the day when we pulled into one of the smaller creeks and we saw um, two or three, like, you know, nine-inch smallmouth bass and a bluegill. Um, so it's one of those things where if you want to continue fishing for smallmouth, that's really what it's going to boil down to. It's just subsurface, you know, streamers or just taking a claw bed across the bottom. Um, we've got here in Virginia, you know, our growing seasons are a little different than places like uh, Michigan or Minnesota where those fish are going to be crazy aggressive for this last little bit. Or maybe not crazy aggressive is not the proper term, but um, our fish aren't going to become as aggressive towards stuff. So you're just going to have to like, you know, dead drift a streamer or take a, a clawed at or something like that in front of the fish's face um, for them to want to actually eat it. So it's definitely still doable and it's cool to do it just to learn to become a better angler. Um, but, you know, it's it's not a high numbers game um, doing that until you find a pot of fish and then, you know, you can, you can catch quite a few once you learn where the wintering holes are. Um, it's just all about learning that. And like I said, or like you said, um, it's still transitioning into that phase, right? So we're not quite there yet, but they are progressing towards that. Well, that's, uh, that's super helpful. And we've got a great question from Brian. Uh, Brian is a new, uh, COVID, um, recruitee to fly fishing and, uh, yeah. he's been uh, chasing bro- brook trout and he's been using an eight and a half foot four weight and he feels like he's overpowering the fish. And he's kind of wondering if he were to drop the coin to get a six foot two weight, would he have a better feel and would it be easier for him to cast into tighter spots? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, a lot of this is going to boil down to preference because uh, you're going to have people from both sides of camps that'll say two different things. Um, ultimately, you know, some of this is going to boil down to the waters that you fish. So if the waters that you're fishing are larger, even the brook trout might be the same size, but if you have more room to cast, um, like if you are able to properly cast that four weight uh, in the half foot rod, then you're fine. You know, that's, it's not something um, that you have to be worrying about in terms of overpowering it. If you are in a, a lot smaller stream and you've got cover all around you, uh, then it might be profitable to go down to something like a two weight, six foot. Um, now the, the things within that, that some people don't think about is, you know, finding fish on a two weight is a lot of fun. That, that's just the way it is. They, it bends really well. Um, you can cast it really easily. The downsides of a two weight that probably aren't as well known are your casting becomes more laborious. And, uh, within that is it's more difficult to cast in wind. Um, so if you are going out in the winter or like early spring where, you know, we can get a fair amount of wind in some of these small streams, not always, but it does happen. Um, it's more difficult to control where the fly is going to go because you don't have the, the mass to really punch through the wind. Uh, now, again, that's that's not something that you have to think about all the time because it's not super common that you go up to places and it's like, you know, roaring wind and craziness. Um, so a lot of it, what it's going to boil down to is just 
your preference. I mean, if you want to try it and you feel like it would be helpful to you, then I would just say try it. I mean, you can probably take the same reel that's on your four weight and then you can get a two weight or a three weight line uh, and put it on the two weight and you'll do just fine. You'll be able to cast and fix. Um, but another option could be, which a lot of people have been going to, is fiberglass rods. Because um, if you did like a fiberglass three-weight, that's going to get you the bend that you want. Because uh, it sounds like, just judging from the way that the question's written, it's not as much a problem of casting as much as it is just overpowering the fish, which to me makes it sound like the rod's not bending enough for you. Um, or like, in other words, uh, you are feeling like you're basically just yanking these things out of the water and they're flying at you and you snag them in the air rather than, you know, you set the hook and the fish remains in the water. Um, to me, that's kind of what it sounds like. You, you want to be able to basically fight these little six to or three inch to eight inch fish. Um, so what probably would be a good option would be, like you said, you know, a two weight six foot rod is going to be the same sort of dynamic, or you could do like a three weight fiberglass rod that's in that seven foot to seven and a half foot range. And that gets you a little bit shorter. You still have the strength to punch through the wind. Um, and, you know, you're still going to be able to fight and play those fish. So there's a couple of options. I probably all I just did was muddy it up by adding a third choice. But <laughs> um, that is the reality. You know, it, a lot of it boils down to preference. And uh, probably the best thing you could do would be if you wanted to just come into, you know, whatever shop is local to you. Um, and ask them to cast, you know, a couple of rods and see which one you like casting the most um, and go from, from that route. That would be what I would mainly suggest um, is just doing that. You know, most most shops probably have, you know, fiberglass options. Um, if they're near brook trout streams, they probably have a two-weight, six-foot. Um, I know we've got them here. Um, but, yeah, it just depends on what you want to do. Rather than just, you know, hearing me talk about it, you know, where are you actually fishing? Um and uh, and I would go through that vein, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a super complicated question because it kind of, you know, if you ask two anglers, they'll give you four different answers. Exactly, yeah. Right, yeah. And, and so... And then you've got Tenkara angler guys that, like, they want to take a, you know, a 10-foot or 12-foot rod up on some of these small streams, and they're perfectly fine just damping the fly. Um, and some people aren't all about that, you know. They, they want the shorter stick. They don't want to have to worry about um, you know, whacking it against the tree or anything like that. So like I said, a lot of it is going to boil down to the preference. You know? Yeah, it's tough, right? Cause the longer rod lets you manage line more easily, which is the kind of the trade off, um, you know, on yep. the shorter stick. And then, you know, I'll, I'll do my part to muddy things up and say, you know, the other thing to do is I think, you know, particularly when you're fishing, in tight cover, the biggest mistake you can do is getting that fly line in the air, right? Yep. So a lot of it is kind of independent of your rod length is really kind of becoming better at roll casting and bow and arrow casting and doing things that are not um, that beautiful river runs through it cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always tell people that, just get closer. You know, whatever you're trying to get to, to cast to, you just always get closer because, yeah, in that way, less is more. The only thing you can do wrong then is spook a fish. Um, and the benefits definitely outweigh that because you actually can catch more fish if you get closer. So yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my always a tip that I try to leave people with is, <laughs> is 
get closer to whatever you're casting to. Well, and the great thing too is on these little wild streams, the water's pretty shallow, so the fish has a pretty small window of vision anyway. Yep. Yeah, and so that's one of the other things with the small streams. I always tell people is like you get closer and just you do it, you know, pretty smooth, um, but not too fast because that I think this is one of my personal opinions that you know we develop over time, but I don't think that uh, you could wear a super bright color in that spooka trout. Because I wear blaze orange hats to make sure I don't get my head blown up <laughs> when I'm in the national forest during hunting season. Um, so, and and you still find fish and they don't spook. So, I think a lot of it has more to do with really sudden movements that spook them more so than color. Now, if you're wearing a blaze orange vest and you're running through the woods, yeah, you're going to spook them maybe ultra fast. But um, <clears throat> I haven't had a problem, you know, wearing a bright color slowly approaching the pool or, or, you know, from wherever you're approaching from and then casting fish. So that's just one of those things that, you know, it, it all trickles together. You know, you, the right rod, uh, the right distance from the pool, you know, approaching the right way, all that stuff is going to help you become a better angler. And a lot of that is going to come through time. You know, if you, if somebody just gets into fly fishing, um, you're not going to do everything right. You know, the first, million trips. So, <laughs> um, so it, it takes time, you know, to get your preferences down and to see what works best for you and what works best for the rivers that you're fishing. Um, so I wouldn't put too much pressure on, uh, on trying to find all of the perfect equipment in your first six months of, of fishing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, listen, folks, we love questions on the articulate fly. If you'll email them to us or, shoot them to us on our Facebook or Instagram page. If we use your question, I'll send you some articulate fly swag. And Ethan, Ethan, if you win the drawing at the end of the season, we'll send you something cool from the shop. And before I let you hop, Ethan, why don't you let folks know where they can find you, the shop hours and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah. The easiest place to find me is in the shop, which is in downtown Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, so we're located on Commerce Street, and uh, there's a lot of stuff to do here, so you know you can make a good weekend trip out of it and come hang out with me on Saturday. Um, or if you can't make it to the shop, you can find us online uh, at Tailtellers VA, and pretty much all of the inventory that's in the shop can be found online. Um, so if there's something that you're looking for, you know you can go that route um, and just you know look online or shoot me an email, and I can send you links to the fly patterns or whatever it is that you might be wanting to tie or make. Um, and then, of course, you know, Instagram, Facebook, we've got those stuff uh, as well, which is Tailtellers Fly Shop uh, or Tailtellers EA. So um, either way, you'll, uh, you'll be able to find us and connect with us and shoot me the nasty hate mail or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there you go. Well, listen, folks, well, you know, you need to go fish. Uh, now because when it's January and February you're going to really regret not getting out get out and catch a few everybody tight lines tight lines Ethan tight lines <laughs>